welcome to another episode of What the Flock. So today, in honor of our guest, Dr. Steve Hassan, I'm going to read one of his favorite quotes that you can actually find on his website, but I love it. It's to the point. I know but one freedom, and that is the freedom of mind. That's a quote by Antoine de Saint-Exprès. And I'm going to pass the ball to Hoyt here to introduce the wonderful Dr. Hassan. Yes. Welcome. Welcome, Dr. Steve Hassan. I can call him Steve because we're friends from a long call time. Call me Steve. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did the doctoral dive. <laughs> yes. But I'm very proud that you did that, though. And uh, I'm going to take the time to brag about you. Here's some things I found on your website, kind of giving you a little brief background. Uh, Stephen Hassan is an expert on undue influence, brainwashing, and unethical hypnosis, and the author of the best-selling book, Combating Cult Mind Control, which I will talk later about how that helped my life, and I think yours as well, Michelle. Mm -hmm. I mean... Completely. uh, He is a licensed mental health professional, cult expert, and undue influence expert with professional experience in the United States and abroad, including consulting, coaching, speaking, media appearances, activism, writing, researching teaching, intervention, and recovery services, and expert consulting and witness work to assist individuals and families with problems related to undue influence. His expertise includes undue influence in cases of destructive one-on-one relationships, families, parental alienation, mini cults, religious cults, therapy and self-improvement groups, professional abuse, institutional abuse, corporations, multi-level marketing, political groups, human trafficking, hate and violent extremism, and other situations. He writes and speaks out about the importance of viewing terrorist groups as destructive cults. He has helped thousands of individuals and families recover from undue influence, myself included. And with over 40 years of experience, he is sought out after as one of the most foremost authorities of undue influence by controlling groups and and individuals. Steve understands the subject from a unique perspective of both a former cult member who was deprogrammed in 1976 and and as a clinical professional who has devoted his life to helping others. Welcome to the show, Steve. Wow, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. That's, I'm ready to nap after that's, all that. That's and that's and, and it, I could go. I could go on. Like that was a no, no, was a, no. That was more than enough. But to 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 sit to cut to the chase, I got burned by the Moonies, and <laughs> once my family rescued me, and I understood what happened to me, I was pissed. Yeah, and I also was confused <laughs> and wanted to understand what happened to me. Or yeah. as you say, what the flock happened to <laughs> yeah. And so uh, talking with Lifton and Singer and the experts, they kind of dished it back to me and said, well, you've, you've experienced it directly. We've just studied it secondhand. Right. And here I am 45 years later working yeah. as hard as I can because I'm so worried about the state of the planet right now. Well, you know, it, it's one of those things that I'd be curious to get your impression. I mean, there obviously you, you referenced some of those great experts, but 
it seems like the movement, I would say, in, in the in the last few decades is really about ex-members coming forward and, and being the direct, you know, experienced people that can then kind of get educated like you have and they become kind of the forefront of this movement of trying to educate people and, and really tell it from the bird's eye point of view mm-hmm. of I went through it. And I think it's a very powerful mechanism. I certainly know I feel empowered by doing, by, you know, talking about the subject, having been someone who lived through it. So would you say that's basically the, the case? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I think you'll echo this, but if it didn't happen to me, I'd never believe right. that an intelligent, educated person <laughs> from a good family could get into something like this. And so, you know, like so many other, and the top, the title is called wounded healer models, like mm. people who experience something horrible and then they realize, you know what? No one else should have to do what I had to do Yeah, in yeah. terms of being in this horrible experience and getting out. So if you think about it, I mean, people have loved ones with a rare disease and if they have the ability, they create a foundation to do research to cure that disease. And it's a version, I mean, mind control mm-hmm. is a, a virus. It's a, right. it's a, it's a psychological virus that hacks people's yeah. lives and, and minds. And their ability to critically think, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, I, I can say from my personal point of view, uh, it was Steve's book that I read when I was in <laughs> my, 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 as they call the, uh, uh, you know, the, the lowest of lows, you know, when you hit rock bottom and I didn't know what was going on in my life. And I, I'd given up all uh, hope of what I'd possibly been involved in, that I was ready to even consider the fact that it might, it might be a cult because I considered that to be impossible at the time. And I went on the online and I found the the best-selling book on, you know, <laughs> cults and, and uh, it was combating cult mind control. And I opened that book and the first, I think, 50 pages is, was describing how you got indoctrinated by the Moonies and I could have just changed the names. I was like, holy shit. I mean, I, could, I really realized like that was, the, that was my aha moment to saying, oh my God, I've been in mm-hmm. a cult and I've been resisting this idea just largely because I was ignorant. I didn't know how cults work. I didn't know how, anything about it. Right. And his, Nobody uh, thinks they're yeah. in a cult. When I was in the Moonies, everyone yeah. kept saying I was in a cult. And I knew I wasn't in a cult and I knew <laughs> I wasn't brainwashed. In my case, I fell asleep at the wheel of a Mooney fundraising van after three days of no sleep and woke up as I was driving 80 miles an hour into the back of a tractor trailer truck. Um, but what what made me agree to an intervention was the challenge my father gave to me when I said, I'm not in a cult, I'm not brainwashed. He said, prove it. Just give us a few mm. days oh, great. with an open yeah. mind, listen to these ex-members, and think. Yeah. And if you want to go back, at least your mother and I will be able to sleep <laughs> at night knowing we did the responsible thing. And I was so sure I wasn't brainwashed. <laughs> sure. 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 Well, absolutely. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> well, thankfully, that, that did happen. And, and it, I think it's also good to go back to the beginning because I, I, I know the story well, but the audience doesn't of how you how they found you and how it all, and where you were at that time. It's always, a, I'd like to call it a perfect storm. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love you to kind of just take us back to how it all began. So, uh, meaning my girlfriend dumping me yes, in exactly. yeah, yeah. and me being, you know, down and 
being at the student union at Queens College. Uh, I was an upper junior and creative writing major. And uh, I was sitting at a cafeteria and three attractive women asked if they could share my table. And they were dressed like students and carried books like students. Mm. And I thought it was my lucky day. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Little did I know. (laughs) And this is a part of my healing strategy when I'm working with former members is a redo history technique where you have to think, if I knew then what I know now, what would I say or do differently? Right. Mm. You know, and going back in time to that moment, can we sit at your table? No, I know all about some young moon. I know you're liars. I know you're not students. Right. You know, get the flock off of I call security. Exactly. But to answer your question, I didn't. I was uh maybe arrogant 19-year-old who had bicycled cross-country when I was 16 and thought I knew it all. And I was curious. And when they said, oh, come over for dinner and meet our friends from all over the world, I was like, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, I had no idea what I was getting into. And that's a very important point. I want to just take a second and say to all your listeners, um, you know, Without deception or withholding information that's vital or distorting it to make it palatable, like if if all groups told you in the beginning who they are, what they believe, and what to expect, then we could think about having informed consent. Exactly. No, taking that first step. Totally. But it it ain't how it works, and they literally, you know, it's uh, fishing. Yeah. You know, and getting the person interested, engaging their motivation, finding everything about their past. And I'm going to do a small tangent and get back to the to, mm-hmm. to answer your question, Hoyt. But just say things are so different now than they were in the 70s before the Internet, right. because now there's some 5000 data points that have been collected on every adult in the United States And there are algorithms. And if a group has the money and buys your data, Mm. they can figure out what buttons to press. Wow. When I was in the Moonies, and I know, Shelly and and, and Hoyt, you had this experience. When you were recruiting, you had to elicit the information Mm -hmm. from the people directly. And, you know, so it was much more in-person engaging now we have smartphones and people are getting totally indoctrinated right online sure mm-hmm. and, yeah. and reinforced so back to my story <laughs> long story short i was a banquet waiter on the weekends and i worked every weekend for two and a half years and that very weekend after they were pressuring me to go away with them, we're going to have so much fun this weekend <laughs> and no, nothing about mentioning the unification church or a workshop. Oh, we're going to have so much fun. You got to come. And I was like, I work on the weekend. I'm sorry. I work on the weekend. Well, that very weekend, first time in two and a half years, I called my boss. When do I show up? Cause I was doing banquet waitering. Mm-hmm. Steve, you won't believe it, but they called the wedding off. Take the weekend off. Ah, The perfect storm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Am I meant to go on this trip Mm. with these cute women that Mm -hmm. I met? 
destiny. You know? Destiny. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Maybe it's meant to be. Yeah. And uh, so that wound up being a three-day workshop. They had lied to me. I thought it was two days. They told me on Sunday night, no, 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 the most important day is tomorrow. <laughs> oh, boy. And then after the third day finished, they were like, we're starting the seven-day workshop tomorrow morning. At which point I got angry and I said, I need to leave. Yeah. And I'm going to get really violent if you don't take me <laughs> yeah. back. And they, they kept me for a few more hours, but they did drive me back. But they had already put in my head, yeah. but Steve, what if? Right. What if? What right. if? Mm-hmm. God is working in the world right now. Would you betray God? Hmm. Right. You know, and they just worked that one really well. So when I got home, I was confused. My parents said, where were you? We worried. Um, I said, I don't, you know, I was upstate New York at Tarrytown at a multi-million dollar estate. They said, you look like you're high on drugs. They said, I don't <laughs> think they gave me any drugs. Because yeah. I was yeah, right. sleep deprived. Sure, too, and sure. And my mother's reaction was, let's go talk to the rabbi. And I'm like, fine, let's go talk to the rabbi who is useless. Yeah. But they had put in my head the possibility and they they do this this thing of what if it's true? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, well, and well, correct I me, just correct go me, ahead. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you you can more or less reframe someone mentally in a, in like 48 hours, right? I mean, isn't that kind of a an established kind of in two days you can kind of rewire someone a bit like you're like you're describing? I mean, so my experience is it can be done much faster if you wow. know what you're doing and if you know the person mm-hmm. well. Um, but, uh, in terms of the exiting process, my experience when I'm doing interventions is it really takes three days, mm-hmm. not two, because there's a cumulative effect right, mm-hmm. that right. happens. But a critical thing for us, a case to be successful is the person agreeing not to be on the cell phone and in contact with the group during those three days to just right. take a, a mental time out. Right. <laughs> You know, and consider the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe this is the greatest group on earth, or maybe I'm I'm doing God's will or whatever, or maybe I've been deceived and somebody's messed with my head. In any case, what I want your listeners to know is that if something is legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny. Therefore, don't delay poking it challenging it, right. doing independent research, do it right away. And don't rely on the recruiters or the indoctrinators only for answers because they'll always twist things of to course. keep you involved with the cult. Well, and if I can jump in here, Steve, hello, by the way, Hi. again. <laughs> so great to see your face all the time. Um. I wanted to, and I've I've shared this with you before, but I don't know if you remember, the first time I heard your name was from the pulpit from Kip McKean, of course, from the ICOC. We were at the downtown LA Biltmore Hotel, and he was preaching hard on not listening to anybody outside of the church. So your name came up, of course, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that if we listen to you, that we are partaking in spiritual pornography. And you could hear the, 
in the audience, right? Just like, so if, if we, in those days, again, no internet, this was way back when, if we even listened to someone else, we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't have Google because that would have saved a lot of us a lot of hell, right? Because right. now you look up his name or ICOC and it's just cult, 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 you know, down the page after page and there's recovery groups and what have you. But the fact that I heard your name then and then when a mutual female friend of ours that you literally saved her life, you know who I'm talking about, I used to be in charge of her in the cult. So when she shared what you had counseled her on and helped her with, that's how I was fortunate enough to meet you and, of course, read the same book, Combating Mind Control. And then you introduced me to Hoyt. So I just wanted to take a second to just publicly thank you because this amazing uh, worldwide growing group we have now of from survivor to thriver that, in my opinion, you've spearheaded and continue to lead the charge on, it has really saved me in so many ways. So I always chuckle at the fact that Kip is preaching, stay away from this man. And now I'm like, oh, you mean the man that helped save my life? You know, and he's saying, stay away from you. Yeah. And I, my recollection is he marked me and told yes. people would be in sin if they yes. communicated with me or read the book. And I think he said Buddy Martin also, who is a Christian pastor in the mainline Church of Christ, who I did a ton of cases with, and who, by the way, I credit because it was his idea to change the four components of mind control in my original edition of Combating. It was his idea to say, you know, if you call it the bite model, you just switch the order, people remember it better. Yes. I was like, buddy. Yeah, it's great. It's Thank really you, great. dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. So it's now the bite model, which is a great, which known. is a great segue. Let's talk yes. about the bite model. I mean, not, I, I didn't know you were a porn star from the past, but that's good to know. <laughs> you know. It, no, but it, I, it, I also want to just mention that it, the woman I helped had been had left the cult after 13 years, same cult as you, Shelley, and uh, had been in and out of psych hospitals for 11 years, mm. misdiagnosed and given medications. And when she read Combating, she said, I, you wrote about the cult I was in. I'm wondering if you can help. And I asked to speak with her psychiatrist and psychologist and spoke with them. And they're like, she's the most functional and least functional person we've mm. ever known in 30 years. If you can wow. help her, please do. So she came to Boston and we did an intensive of six hour days, mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And by the end, she had no impulses to want to hurt herself or commit suicide. And oh, she amazing. knew she didn't need any meds. So she talked to the psychiatrist to get off everything. And as she was like coming back to herself, she said, I want to help my friend Shelly. <laughs> she knew I needed it bad. Yeah. <laughs> who, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> is, is it okay, Steve, to introduce you? And I'm like, sure. Well, you know, of course. Oh, great. So that's a little bit more because it's really important to understand people are leaving cults and they're hoping mental health professionals are going to help them. But unless mental mm. health people are trained specifically yeah. to work with cult members, um, they wind up can make things worse. Worse. I ended no. up, yeah, I went down that road for a little while and everyone just wanted to put me on so many different drugs and antidepressants. And that's just not how I wanted to live my life, obviously. 
Yeah. And I'm not anti-meds, but usually short-term help right. people sleep, like it's- lower anxiety. But the underlying problem is what was done to their minds. Right. Correct. Whether they were born in a cult or recruited into a cult. Right. So and, and I let would, me just finish before okay. we get into the bite, if I may, and yes. just say, I, I was, you know, had this, what I thought was a spiritual experience where God was telling me to go back to the group to learn more. And it was in that period that one of the top leaders picked me up and decided to groom me as his disciple, as Jesus had 12 disciples, I was one of his right. 12 and so I was all of a sudden groomed by the top leadership and the appeal that worked for this, you know, arrogant young person <laughs> in 19 was, Steve, you're so special. You're yeah. so smart. Sure. <laughs> we're we're going to make the world a garden of Eden. And God wants you to be a leader of the world. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can write poetry and be a college professor or I can save the world <laughs> and end violence and poverty and crime. Right. Yeah. And, and my 10 generations of my ancestors stuck at low levels in the spirit world can be liberated, yeah. but it's my choice. Right. Sure. Okay. sure. I think I'll take, yeah. you know, I think yeah. I'll take door number one. The, uh, so 27 the- months I was, I was, I was held up as the model member. Wow. Slept three to four hours a night and was recruiting people, indoctrinating them, uh, doing political activism. And I basically became a right-wing fascist. Like I had a complete mm. reversal of my belief system before the cult. And so when I had that accident and got out, I was like, what well, the it, fuck? No, exactly. <laughs> but you know, what's also interesting, we try to cover in this, because obviously in, in everyone who's been through a cult, um, you know, there's inherent negative things we all endured, but it's also, I think, important to talk about what makes a stay, like what were the positives? Because if you, if you don't offset with what the things that kept us there, and then it sounds like we were all, you know, masochists to be in this environment where all these horrible things are happening. So I'm kind of curious, looking back on it, what were the things that you would say were the positives that kind of kept you there for as long as you were there? Oh, I, I, uh, that's a great question. And as a therapist, I just want to say mm-hmm. that when you're helping someone exit, it's always important to mine the good things. Right, exactly. Out mm-hmm. of the person's experience. Like I learned how to, I was very shy and introverted, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for me to read a poem to 15 people in a class was a major effort. Right. And in the Moonies, I was speaking to a thousand people. No problem. Amazing. Yeah. No, it's great. You know, it was, that was just one of the many things I learned. I learned how to run a business. I was making a thousand dollars a day uh, doing the fundraising, street fundraising, Mm -hmm. using a lot of deception. Right. Uh, Let's see. I learned to eat sushi in the movies (laughs) in 1974, which is still one of my favorite foods, even though they're one of the major suppliers of sushi in America. Um, What else? I learned a lot about the Bible and about people from all over the world. Right. That was another positive. But I want to add, uh, I think you'll appreciate this comment, but that mind control is a bi-directional process. Let's say this is the recruiter, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the new person 
is hearing and and really good recruiters do very open-ended kinds of things that invites the person to project meaning into what they're hearing right to create a story that's going to work for them Mm -hmm. becomes their own it becomes their own exactly Mm -hmm. unlike a case like patty hearst is kidnapped out of her apartment and thrown into a trunk and put in in a closet and raped and early patty is like I don't want to be here. <laughs> These yeah. people right. are dangerous, right. right? But then she had to, for survival mechanisms, the trauma bonding and all of that. Mm. With the, What we experienced was much more the illusion of choice. But yeah. the key thing is, is mm. that people, when they're in a mind control cult, they're following their own story, their own movie of what they think the group is about. Yeah. That and there are real variations, point. even amongst the same cult. Sure, sure. Of what that, what exactly that is, mm-hmm. and that's why a customized approach is so vital to yeah. really help people. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, just talking to my former members, everyone had their own experience. I mean, even though we were all there for the, a lot of us at the same time, the same players, you all, everyone has their own experience. Well, they have this story in their mind of the experience. Mm. Right. That's where the therapy comes in, talking to your buddies who are also out. Right. When you hear them telling their stories, it makes you reassess what it's, you thought was happening at right. that particular session with the cult leader or right, right. whatever. So, it, you know, again, the, the cure to blind faith is perspective, right. right? Yeah. And learning about other cults, but also hearing from people who are in your cult yeah. in different levels, different points in the pyramid and the mm. circles at the base of the pyramid helps you get perspective to see the whole thing instead of just taking your own experience and projecting what you think the group is right. through that smaller lens. Yeah, exactly. Such a great point. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the bite model then, because it's such a, I think it's such a great tool to really. <laughs> sure. Kinda, yeah. So very briefly, as I was learning Lift and Singer, Shine, West, and studying psych- social psychology and everything else, I really wanted to understand how this all happened and how I was effective, etc. And I came early on across Leon Festinger's cognitive dissonance work and the 1950s book that he wrote when prophecy fails, which was about a, a flying saucer cult and people were selling their homes and going up to a mountaintop because the saucer was going to hmm. pick them up and the world would be destroyed. Right. But when it didn't happen, people believed more And that's where he came up with cognitive dissonance theory that essentially human beings like to be congruent. They want their beliefs and feelings and behaviors to be in alignment. And if you get people to do an extreme behavior, there's a rationalizing function that automatically happens and your emotions align to justify the extreme behavior. Right. So we are not rational beings as humans. We're rationalizing beings. Yes, I think that's a great point. Getting back to the the story, I was thinking, think thoughts, feelings, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Hmm. I wonder if I go through Lift and Singer, all the models, and organize what behaviors can be placed under each one of these. 
So, for example, Lifton has loaded language, which is, you know, platitudinous buzzwords that right. cults use. Well, that's a thought control thing. OK, I put it under there. So what emerged was a list of thoughts, feelings and behaviors. Right. And then I, was, I kept thinking, think there's something missing. What's missing? What's missing? And then I put together, oh, information control. Yeah. Because no one would get in if there wasn't lying. And no one would, would stay mm. in if you weren't programmed against critics and former members and negative information. Right. Right. So it, things started to uh, coalesce as right. these four overlapping components, behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control, could then be placed along a continuum. Sorry for the <laughs> reflection. But... There's healthy influence where you have informed consent that respects your individuality, your conscience, your creativity. It's love-based. It's it's really encouraging you to be your best self. And the more bite model stuff that you tick off, the more authoritarian control you can see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can talk about, you know, sleep deprivation, privacy deprivation, rigid rules and regulations, need for dependency and obedience. So you can go through the four overlapping components and get to authoritarian control, which is what my dissertation was focused on in terms of the law itself. Because for me, the thing that's been missing is that the law is about 100 years out of date mm. with yeah. what we now understand about psychology. Yep. So we, need, so, so we, need, to, uh, we need to update those laws, right? We need to update right. that law. And what's what I did in the, the dissertation was I connected the dots with trafficking, mm. right. sex and labor trafficking, which is fraud, force, and coercion, right? And it's an internationally recognized crime that affects some 47 million people, I believe, was the last number I remember that was assembled by the UN. Mm. Most of them are labor trafficked. Mm. Um, But I, I, and and I've been connecting the bite model to coercion, in fact, with labor trafficking officials for the US government that are very excited to know about my model. So if we can create a framework where judges can evaluate the influencer, the influence E and their vulnerabilities, and typically the influencer is a malignant narcissist. It's going to make a stereotypical generalization. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. If you can, you can explain this and explain this, then you can talk about motive, opportunity, results, and you can plug in the bite model, the, right. more, the more the bad per actor was right. influencing the susceptible person. So, so would please, it, your honor, this is undue influence. Right. Please put the predator in jail, which happened with Keith Raniere exactly. for 120 years and recently R. Kelly. Right. And mm. I don't think he's been sentenced yet, but I'm so thrilled that that these models yes. are starting to find their way into the no, legal system. It, it's great. And, and does that involve doing like a an evaluation of the players? Is that how it's really done? I mean, how, how do you assess that you've got the malignant narcissist and you've got the 
influence E, so to speak. That's the hard part. Is that is that so so it's actually, you know, for cults that have been around for a while, one can just read the writings or mm-hmm. listen to uh, the the ravings of a cult leader. Right. To get all of the grandiosity, need right. for admiration, things that are above the law. Right. You know, you can you can get that without having to sit the person down and do a forensic evaluation. Okay. Actually. Oh, good. And I actually did a chapter, chapter three in the cult of Trump, comparing Donald Trump with Jim Jones, Hubbard of Scientology and the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sun Myung Moon, my former cult leader, because the the patterns are yeah. so so similar, uh, stereotypical. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm part of a forensic think tank at Harvard uh, Medical School called the Program in Psychiatry and the Law. And when I first uh, did a presentation for them, and then I was later invited to to attend, um, they said you need to go get a doctorate, and you need to do a quantitative study on your work because it's you, you can say that it works right but science doesn't work that way mm. anecdotal evidence is only anecdotal so we did the first quantitative study but it's really groundbreaking in the sense that there's never been a scientific instrument proposed much less that came right. up with a powerful factor analysis um that can be applied in a uniform way, which is what the law really wants. It wants a standard that everything can be measured by. A precedent almost, yeah. And there are two, what they explained to me is there are two ways the laws change. One is the body of scientific evidence, like get, get, you know, talking to all social scientists and them all saying, yes, undue influence exists. Yes, here's how we can describe it and identify it, etc. That's one way. We're still years from there, unfortunately. The other is precedent-setting cases, right. which we now have with Ranieri and mm-hmm. R. Kelly, I believe. Absolutely. Steve, if I can jump in for a second, maybe with people that aren't as familiar with the BITE model, can you just go through what each letter stands for to spell BITE? Sure. B stands for behavior control. Mm-hmm. So regulating sleep, regulating food, your clothing, uh, where you live, who you associate with, uh, rigid rules and regulations. But the most important thing with behavior control is dependence and obedience. Mm. That's the goal of behavior control right, yeah. is complete compliance and typically, cult leaders want power, money, and sex, and not necessarily all, and not necessarily in that order, although I would generalize. Power is always, mm-hmm. money is usually, and sex is usually, right. unfortunately. Like Ranieri. Right? Yeah. Um, information control is all about information. So the way a group recruits, if it's deceptive, uh, lying, with withholding information or distorting it, making people tattle on each other, spy on each other, telling people they can only tell their upline negative things they can't tell to anyone else. You, you, you stay away from critical literature or former members. So there's all this information control stuff. And then the T is thought control. And the stereotypical frame for thought control is that 
you have an ideology that's looked at as the truth with a capital T. <laughs> it's not just a doctrine. It's not just a map describing reality. It's the truth. Right. And it's typically black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil, us versus them. It's very simplistic. And then within thought control, thought stopping, which is a behavior mod technique that I was trained to do as a Mooney. Yeah. And many of my my clients and, and people that I've interviewed have talked about um, uh, doing blocking any any doubts, sure. like doubts are evil. And especially in cults that say, oh, if you just believe 100%, it will magically appear. The universe will deliver it. Right. <laughs> right, under thought control. So the idea is behavior control, information, thought control. Um, uh, and then um, uh, the emotional control is making you feel special, love bombing, making you feel like uh, you're an elite, you're chosen. But mostly it's about guilt and fear manipulation. And the single universal one in, in under the E, the emotional control, is what I call phobia indoctrination, mm. which is the indoctrination of irrational fears that if you leave the group or even question the leader, terrible things are going to happen right. to you. Sure. And in my book, Freedom of Mind, in chapter 10, I have four pages single spaced of the most common phobias that I've worked with over 45 years. If you leave, you'll get cancer. If you leave, you'll be a drug addict. If you mm -hmm. leave, you'll commit suicide. Yeah. So in other words, when you're under mind control, when you think of leaving, you can only generate negative movies and stories in your head. Mm, you right. can't imagine right. happy and healthy, spiritual. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, but the four things, behavior control, information, thought, and emotional control together, because many of them overlap, right? Um, along the influence continuum, anyone can self-diagnose a controlling relationship, right? for example, or a boss that is a malignant narcissist, or a religious group, a political group, a therapy group, a large group awareness training group, multi-level marketing, all the things you kindly listed when you introduced me. Yeah. It really is a frame because we're humans and we use our minds, right, to inter interact with reality. Mm -hmm. If you can put a virus in someone's mind and hack it, it's similar to, you know, somebody injecting malware into your computer operating system. Yeah, no, exactly. You can't expect it to work normally. It's a great analogy. You know, and it makes me think about what you, a point you brought up earlier of where um, when people come out of these groups, whatever way they get out, it's sometimes difficult to find the right help, you know, whether a mental health you know, practitioner. And would you also say, I'm kind of curious, to me, like it was a huge thing to even discover I'd been in a cult. And I think a lot of people get out of these groups and never even identify what they've been in. Would you say that's kind of accurate or how would, how would 100%, you? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I'd, in my work, I'd say, first of all, there's a difference between people born or raised in an authoritarian cult and people like myself who was recruited at 19. Why? Because I had a pretty strong personality and identity and value system right. by 19. So I had a reference point to go back to. 
But when you're coming, you know, if you're raised in that environment, you don't know what's normal. Right, mm. right. You think it's normal to be hit with a paddle. Right, yeah. If, if, right. if you're fidgeting at church. Like, huh? We know corporal punishment is trauma. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, it does brain damage to children, and yet it's still, you know, not illegal yeah. uh, in the United States. It is in other countries, but yeah. not in the U.S. But... um the thing that worked about my book, and this is a problem with combating right, you know, in the current generation, because they don't, young people don't remember the mass weddings. They don't right. know who the Moonies are. Right. I mean, they've surfaced again through the sun, Sean Moon with his yeah. bullets, his golden right. bullet crown and his AR-15, and he's training people for civil war in the United States. So younger people are learning. But like, wait, you were like, oh, I know the Moonies are a cult. Let yeah. me check out this Hassan guy. Yeah. What yeah. the Moonies uh, are yeah. about. I mean, it, I, it actually took me the point of view of like, well, that that's something that I would never get involved with. Because then I, you know, I was like, I'm like, I don't know if I can listen to this guy. <laughs> I mean, that right, was my... But pr- that's that was, why, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But Jehovah's Witnesses. Sure. Oh, the yeah. Moonies are a cult. They yeah. read it and they're like, I underlined the whole book. Exactly. Wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. the Mormons or any number of other groups where, where there's so many people who are raised in it. But um, what I say to all your listeners is if you have anybody that you care about in your life, mother, father, sister, brother, best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend, that, that raises the question, do you think you're spending too much time or mm-hmm. too much money? Or, you know, you're, you seem to be being more deceptive or we've noticed a radical personality change. Could you please investigate it? If there's anyone in your life saying, raising that question, right? Right. It's them that should say, Hey, would you mind checking out what the flock podcast? Mm -hmm. Let's listen to it together. Right. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Yeah. And then that will speed up the process. But the problem is most families they just don't get it. And in fact, they did 10 errant beliefs that I wrote about in Freedom of Mind and that mm-hmm. I put on my website, which are the, what I've encountered as roadblocks to families and friends helping mm-hmm. someone that they care about in a cult. Things like, well, he's an adult. Right. Or he says he's happy. <laughs> right. Of course. You know, yeah. or. He's too smart for this, or he'll leave when he can. I mean, the and and if you understood mind control and the fact that your friend or loved one was deceived and their brain was hacked, then you have to change gears. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. All of those assumptions that would work in the real world normally, got to put those aside. Yeah. Right. Well, and I recently talked with a, a, a fellow who had been recruited around the time I was in the Moonies, Ed Kaufman, and he was in 36 years. Wow. wow. And uh, I heard him on a podcast using a pseudonym. I actually interviewed him and I'm raising his name because he just passed away. Okay. Mm. And we've lost someone who was dedicated to researching the early days of the Moonies because he really has spent a lot of years because he wanted to figure it out. Didn't read my book. Why? Most ex-Moonies are still afraid of me. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm like, 
you know, vampire, <laughs> you know, Steve's got horns or something. Well, you know, I mean, and that's what we're trying to do with our show is, is, is to build awareness through having people tell their stories so that these themes that you've illuminated, you know, become more common and more relatable because people are telling them how that actually played out in their lives. And I think, mm. you know, we're just making, we're just trying to make it cool to talk about your cultic relationship. And as you even wrote uh, in, in your books, you know, the most common form is even the one-on-one relationship so that we've all more or less on some level encountered some sort of controlling abusive relationship. The, you know, the people here on this podcast, we've all had the more extreme version, but it's all relatable. And then we just want to make it kind of more acceptable right. that people have. Yeah. Their- and I, I, I want to plug Adam Grant's book. Think again. Okay, mm. great. There's nothing about cults in it, but he's a social psychologist. And he said things that are so important for our population, like, Disconnect your ego from your beliefs and adopt a seeking truth frame for Mm. your life. Like be open to other points of view. Don't give up your point of view because someone is charismatic and, you Mm -hmm. know, is talking in it with great certainty, certainty. The more certain a person is, the more your antenna should go up. Red right. alert. Yes. Red alert. Right. No, I say the same thing. I think the people who are the brightest are the quickest to say, you know, oh, I don't know. That's a great point. Let me think about that. Right. Or uh, what I advise the people who are were in QAnon and right. other conspiracy cults that I advise family members and friends is engage in that truth seeking frame. Hey, listen, I respect you. I love you. Mm-hmm. You're smart. You're accomplished. I don't believe what you believe, but I'm open to being persuaded. Right. But I need facts. Yeah. Right. And right. if you're open to this interaction with me, mm-hmm. I'm pl- I'm telling you, I'm open to being persuaded. Are you open to? Right. right. Oh, no, I'm open. <laughs> Great. Yeah. If you take one thing, let's watch it together and discuss right. it. Then I take one thing, we right. watch it together and discuss it until we figure out. Who's got the proof? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because hey, if it's legitimate, it will stand up to scrutiny, right? Exactly. Right. And, and on that note, and I know you have, um, you know, you have a heart out here and we promised you a, a time limit. How much time do you have left on your end? A couple minutes? I have 15 minutes. Okay. Well, I, ha- I have a question. I have a couple friends in Scientology. So I was going to ask you a question about that because... It's it's baffling to me that with Leah Remini and all the work she's done, and I know you've been on her show, uh, I think even on the roundtable. Both the, the um, A&E one and the podcast. Right, yeah. right. Why can't our legal system and, quite frankly, the IRS take all of that information that has been paraded in front of them hundreds of times and do something about how that organization is able to still abuse people and, and take their money and then have exempt status with the IRS because they're clearly making a lot of money and investing well, they, in real they estate. Weren't, they weren't deemed a religion for 25 years and they went to war against the IRS. I remember that. And yeah. they dug up dirt and they did a lot of you know dirty stuff to lie to the officials to get the status. And uh, I want to do a shout out to Jeffrey Augustine and the ScientologyMoneyProject.com. Okay. Because the quest is to, to get 
rid of the tax exemption status. I also want to mention Denise Brennan, formerly Larry Brennan. I have interviews, video interviews with him and her as she transitioned to be a woman. Uh, and, and, and she was told personally by Harvard to make it into a religion. Mm. Wow. And mm-hmm. when he was Larry, of course, mm. you know, Hubbard was a homophobe. So right. they're, yeah. like, Larry couldn't be his true self there. But he told me, I mean, I have a, a long interview with him before he passed away of a heart attack. She passed away of a heart attack mm-hmm. of like armies of lawyers organized to do this thing. But the bottom line, it was corrupt. And mm-hmm. the, the, the whole legal system of how the IRS determines it has been undermined and corrupted. So there, there's a fledgling new consumer business protection agency. Elizabeth Warren was involved with getting that set up. But by no means uh, do we have the political clout yet hmm. to... Um, well, to change the law, right. <laughs> yeah. include undue influence. But then once that's done, starting to prosecute groups like Scientology, for example, for labor trafficking. Right. That's what I was going to say. In my professional opinion, they are labor trafficked. I was labor trafficked by the Moonies. Sure. I never got paid. I think I we all were, actually. 21 hours a yeah. day, seven days a week. Same here. I made a fortune for them. So... But we're working on it, but we need more help. If you're listening to this thing and you have some influence or you have some connections. Yes. It's really going to need a a massive educational effort Mm -hmm. to get on the same page instead of like, well, they're an adult or they have a right to their opinions. Well, I have the right to also say the Moonies infringed on my religious freedom by lying to me to get me in, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can't do equivalencies when one side is being criminal and, 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 and and undoing the the system of checks and balances and laws. So we have a lot of work to do, but I, I want to just say, I really believe that the three of us, are representative of millions of Americans who have experienced undue influence. Mm-hmm. And if we do like the hashtag I got out right. uh, yes. effort, and if more people are sharing their stories, we could organize and we've tasted what it's like to lose your freedom. Sure. Yes. To be controlled by another person or group. We need to share that with other people who just are oblivious. Yeah. Right. They don't get how precious freedom is. Yeah. I don't have to ask permission to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. No. Uh, Can I have permission to visit my family? My mom's in the hospital. No, God needs you here. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's my mom. Bye. Right. (laughs) I'm leaving. You know. I could not agree with you more on that. That's exactly why we're doing this. Exactly. So. And that's why I said yes when my friend Hoyt and <laughs> my right. friend Shelly said, yes. please do yes. this podcast. I'm like, yes, please. Yes. And we want to do the Hollywood project, right? We want more celebrities who are yeah. victims, people with millions of 
social media right. followers. You want them speaking out. Okay. And feeling comfortable to do so and having a safe space. And that's another reason Hoyt yeah. and I were excited about this. It's just the domino effect is what we're hoping for. Absolutely. Yeah, the tipping point. Yes. Yeah, right? and, exactly. and I feel like we're here. Like we're, we're soon. And it's going to either tip in a good direction or a really bad one. So I'm doing everything. I'm going with the good direction. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yes. I'm an optimist. And yes. I, there's no option to say, oh, you know what? It's all messed up. I'm going to go fishing. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm checking out. Right. I'm going to do video games uh, instead of like using my knowledge and my creativity and my, my network. And your voice. Contribute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, as usual, Dr. Hassan, amazing. I, t- I was taking notes. I- I'm just continuing to learn. So I'm, I'm personally very grateful, incredibly grateful for you and for Hoyt. Oh, so I'm very proud to be a part of the From Survivor to Thriver community. That's right. I, I wear that like a badge. Yeah, That's, that's for great. sure. Yes, for sure. It's a wonderful thing. You're you're beautiful. You're smart. You have an incredible story. So does Hoyt's, of course, the first male supermodel on the planet. <laughs> and you don't need to know that from my words. You just can look at his pictures and go, he yeah. kissed Cindy Crawford. And <laughs> just just another supermodel. Just Damn, another day at the office. Dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, Steve, it's so great to see you as always. Uh, you're one of my dear, dear friends. And, uh, I'm so happy that uh, you do the work you do, and you are absolutely, um, you know, you know, contributing to all of us, kind of figuring things out and giving um, the, you know, as you said, the information that was so vital. Because uh, you know, as I was saying to to Shell, um, you know, you can't save or help anyone, but people save and help themselves, and they do it through getting information. And the information you've provided and put out there in the world has absolutely given people the opportunity to change their lives. So I can't thank you enough for that. Keep up the great work. I look forward to seeing you soon. And, yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if if someone's listening to this and you've just realized you were in a cult, I would encourage you to not, like, state it to the group yet and, like, do your homework and get some support right. and make an exit strategy because you might be able to help some of your, your friends and mm-hmm. family to get out of the situation. And, um, you know, it's it, life's precious and uh, people come out and they want to they want to make up for lost time. Yeah. And I say to them, you know, the, the mind is and this is what was told to me, by the way, in 1976, Steve, this therapist uh, said to me, Steve, the mind is like a muscle. Think about it. If you broke your arm and your arm was in the cast, as soon as the cast comes off, your muscles atrophied. Mm. Like you need to do physical therapy and build it up. Mm. Think about that too with your mind. I know I needed to like read a dictionary and reteach myself right. words. And I needed to force myself to concentrate to be able to read again. Because my mind wasn't reading for two and a half years. Sure. And I was only using buzzwords and crap from the cult. Right. And I just needed to reclaim my power. If you said to Steve in 76, one day you'll get a doctorate, I'd be like, ah, you crazy. (laughs) Even a master's. I got my first master's in 85. 
Right. And I got my second master's in 2019, like or 2020 rather. Who knew? Yeah. But I got smarter by doing an education. Right. And that's another thing. People say, oh, Steve, I'm 30 years old. It's too late to go back to college. I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you Never too me? late. Never. 30? Never. Yeah. I, and when I entered the doctoral program, I said, I'm 63. And they said, oh, meet, meet uh, I forget her name, Charlotte. She's 77. <laughs> that Great. shut me up real fast. Nice. <laughs> well, I love well, it. Well, if people need to reach you, what's the best way for them to, to find your information? You know, I'm, I'm so busy right now, but I'm trying to generate lots of content for free on yep. my freedomofmind.com site and my YouTube and nice. uh, social media messages. Messaging, and I'm hoping I did a course that's three and a half hours. It's very inexpensive, like understanding cults, you know, right. basics of 101. So I would start there. And if you uh, have a story about a cult that hasn't been told, start by writing it because writing is therapeutic yes. for your own journey. Absolutely. And I recommend a chronological yeah. journal type diary thing of. This is how I got in. This is what I thought I was in. This is how I got out. And uh, in many of my 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 uh, videos, I talk about strategies to heal. So wonderful, nice, nice. Well, thank you again. Continued success, guys. Well, thank you, Steve. um, We'll we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch. Great. Thanks so much. much. And to all of our to all of our listeners, remember. You own your mind. You own your heart. No one else should have control of those except you. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye, Bye -bye, Bye, Dr. Hassan. (laughs) Bye-bye. Take care.